Hey church family, welcome to worship on this beautiful Palm Sunday. Uh, I want to start things off with a few worship songs, so um, wherever you are in your house or wherever you are, uh, let's just worship together. i yeah. 
last song? Good, good father. Father, we thank you and we praise you, God, for your rich mercy and your amazing grace. And God, we just ask that as we get into this message, uh, I pray, God, that you will let your glory be known. Uh, show us your glory, Jesus. And we thank you for all that you've done. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. One of my favorite trilogies of all time, actually my favorite books of all time, obviously besides the Bible, is J.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. And 
the reason why I love it so much is because, well, first of all, I'm a big nerd, if you really know me well. Um, but second of all, just the mastery of how he writes. Well, in one of the uh, trilogies, we meet, uh, actually in all, the tri- in all of the books, uh, not just in one of the trilogies, uh, in all the books that we find is uh, the lead character, Aragorn. And uh, Aragorn is the rightful king to the throne of Gondor. And you got to understand, in this time, uh, as Tolkien's writing, uh, the characters, they, they, they look at things uh, through ancient lore and through rhymes in order to discern events in the present. And it's much the same as what we do in Christianity as we take on the Old Testament prophecies to predict the coming of Christ. But in this third book of the trilogy, The Return of the King, we have the hero Aragorn, who again is the rightful king uh, of Gondor, uh, returns to the city, minus Tirath. And while he's there, he's victorious in the battle against the Dark Lord Saruman. And what we have here is, is a rightful claim to the throne, but yet he's not able to do that. He enters into the city in disguise in order to go to the houses uh, uh, of healing. And there he seeks to heal his friends and, and, and who were struck in the battle. And as he performs this healing, one of the attendants repeats this ancient verse. And it's, it says, The hands of the king are the hands of the healer, and so shall the rightful king be known. I love that story. But Scripture speaks clearly, too, of the king. Scripture speaks clearly of a king, and we know this king to be Jesus. Except this king is much different. You see, we are taking a break from our Sermon on the Mount series to focus the next few weeks on what I'm calling the week that changed the world. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 11. And we're going to be in verses 1 through 11 this morning. What is called the triumphant uh, uh, triumphant entry. Um, What we have here is Mark's account of the Passion Week. So Mark chapter 11, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage in Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside of the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them that what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and threw their cloaks on on it, and sat on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before, though, uh, and those who went before, and those who followed, were shouting, "Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king, coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest!" And he entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late. He went out to Bethany with the twelve. See, this passage is a familiar passage around Easter time. Uh, We tend to look at this every every Palm Sunday. But what we see here is we find a gospel in Mark's gospel that's kind of unique. 
You see, more than a third of Mark's Gospels devoted to the Passion Week. It's been referred to as the Passion Story with a long introduction, really. This is indicative to the importance of the seven-day period. See, without this Passion Week, there is no fulfillment of what Jesus came to do. So as Jesus enters Jerusalem on a colt, many gather to bless him and welcome the return of the Davidic kingdom. People knew kind of what was going on. The scene is reminiscent of, of the triumphal entry in, of, in the kingly procession that, that they uh, were familiar with. But Jesus does not proceed to act like any earthly king. He does not take military action against uh, occupying Rome or, or Herod. And neither the religious leaders nor the Romans seem to take note of, the, of this entry into Jerusalem. But the people who were there, the Jews, knew what was going on. And actually, they didn't really notice anything until he begins to cleanse the temple. You see, this entry into Jerusalem is a declaration of Jesus as King and Messiah. See, kings were known to enter cities in splendor. Especially during a coronation or, or after a victorious battle, they may have ridden a, a chariot pulled by four horses or even elephants and have been accompanied by troops. But while Jesus does enter as a king, his approach is different. His approach is humble. You see, he's not accompanied by soldiers, but disciples. And he rides not on a chariot, but on a colt. See, this is not only emphasis of Jesus as Messiah, but this emphasizes Jesus' Jesus's humility as king. And it rejects the nature of the, it, it rejects the the nature of the kingdom of God because what they thought the king would come and do was overthrow. What they thought the king would do would, would, would come and, and just establish peace in a kingdom here on earth. But Jesus was so much more than that. You see, this reflects the true nature of the kingdom of God. The true nature of what the scriptures actually were speaking. Jesus came into Jerusalem as the servant king. And this was truly the week that changed the world. Because what we have here is a question that is, is, transcends all time. And it's a question that needs to be answered today by you. And that question is, is he king? Is he king? If yes, does your life reflect that? You see, he was and he is the servant king. He came not to establish an earthly throne room. Rather, he came to set the captives free. He came to release prisoners from, from, not from bondage of physical bondage, but of sin. See, the nature of Jesus being a servant king means that he has to put, he put all of our needs before his own. It means that this Passion Week was done not to glorify himself, but to serve mankind. And how did he do this? He took our punishment for our sin. And he died on the cross. You see, that is the epitome of a servant king. Just listen to what Paul says about Jesus in Philippians 2.7. He says, But emptied himself, speaking of Jesus, by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. You see, his birth alone was an act of servanthood. And should be enough. Just the fact that God would leave his throne to dwell with his created. That's enough. And it should be enough. 
Yet, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. He healed the sick and the blind. He forgave the unlovable. He fed the masses with compassion. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. And he wept over Jerusalem. You see, these are not the actions of a typical king, are they? Name one story where you find a king like this. You see, at the end of the Passion Week, he did the ultimate act of service by dying on the cross. So, church, it matters very much if he is king. You see, if he is king, then you are to be his. You are a subject of the king. I believe the Passion Week is not just about events that that led to the resurrection. It's about the character of our king. The same king who is God in flesh and has called each and every one of us to himself. That's the Passion Week. The Passion Week is a look into the heart of the one who saves. If he is your king, then you should be living like him. Love like Jesus. Serve like Jesus. It means to put the needs of others before yourself because that is the example Jesus gave. Back when I was in youth ministry, uh, we did a planned trip to Montana. Uh, we went to a children's ranch up, up there in Montana. And, and uh, we went up there with expectations of, of just having a good time, meeting, meeting the kids on the ranch and doing some work. But what we encountered was, was totally different. You see, we had planned to serve. So we were ready to serve. But even in their plans, God blew us away. The, the work was much harder than what all the kids uh, expected it to be. Um, the interaction that we had with the families there was, was, uh, was a beautiful interaction, nothing like we thought it was going to be. And we left that week realizing that God is huge and that in the midst of our plans, God still shows up and he blows us away. You see, the whole point of the trip was to serve and what we get received out of this trip, not only were we able to serve others, but they, they really served us by teaching us that God is bigger than anything we could ever imagine. That God, in His infinite wisdom and love, has done amazing things, not only through His church, but through, but through the people that were on that ranch. An extension of the body. Then there was another time where I was hard at work in my office, and when I get busy, I get busy. I, I, I have a, a one-track mind a lot of times, and um, it's very difficult for me to, to go ahead and, and, uh, and kind of handle more than one project at a time. And, and as, I'm, as I'm working, I, I hear a knock on the door. I didn't even hear anybody come in the building, and, and I hear a knock on the door, and, and I look up, and there's this gentleman standing at the door, and I said, what's up? What can I do for you? Come on in. So he came in and he told me a story and it was it was obvious this man was uh, was uh, homeless. Uh, it was obvious that he was traveling, um, and uh, and he was just talking to me and told me his his story. Uh, but what really got me was what he needed. You see, what he needed was more than what I could actually do, at least I thought, because 
I was busy. This was not a planned event. And if you know me, I'm a planner. So this was really difficult when he told me he needed food and he needed a place to stay. And as I'm listening to this man, what I'm seeing is an opportunity. But deep down inside, what told me, what was telling me was, was, was Dan, you don't have, you don't have the, the resources for this or you don't have the time for this. You need, to, you need to kind of tell them to go on to an, another church. But I did something that, that I think uh, was the right thing. I, I listened to the Holy Spirit. Imagine that, it being the right thing to do. And the Holy Spirit was, was telling me that, that, Dan, you need to provide these needs. And so I called up my wife and, and I said, Hey, Nina, um, do we still have that four-man tent? And she said, yeah. And so I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to someone. And she said, that's fine. We haven't used it forever. So I came home and I, I told the guy, stay here. Uh, and he had a truck that he was sleeping in the back of, uh, no top or nothing like that. And so I came back and I gave him this tent. And, uh, and just so grateful. And, and I went and I filled this tank up and I went and I bought him a bunch of food at the grocery store. You see, what God did there was amazing because at the end of all of this, at the end of all of this, as I was talking to him about who Jesus was, he accepted Christ and I was able to pray with him to accept Jesus as his Lord. You see, if I would have listened to that voice that said, Dan, you don't have the time for this. You see, I don't know if I would have had that opportunity. See, the point is, whether you plan a service or it just happens, what we have to understand is that there is nothing that should get in the way of our desire to be like Jesus. There is nothing that we can come in contact with that, is a, that could be a hindrance or a roadblock that should be able to do that. You see, our desire to serve, to be like Jesus, should be strong. You see, Jesus served lovingly. You notice in the Gospels, he, he doesn't serve in a way that's rude or belittles people or makes them, makes them feel unwanted. He lovingly serves them. Jesus served humbly. It wasn't about him. And it could have been. We're talking about God in flesh. Jesus could have made everything about him. But he serves with humility. He puts the needs of others before himself. And finally, we find that Jesus served obediently. You see, Jesus says time and time again, I'm here to do the will of the Father. And we find Paul later on in his writings talks about how, how Jesus didn't count equality with God something to be grasped. Uh, Jesus was equal with God, but he came on a mission from the Father, and he obediently submitted to him. So my charge to you with that is let's do the same. Let's serve lovingly. Let's serve humbly. Let's serve obediently. Church, will you commit today to living out what Jesus did? You will never be Jesus. You will never, ever be the Messiah. But we can be like Jesus. Look at the character of the servant king. Would you be willing to lay aside your wants and desires to serve another person? 
You see, this Passion Week is a call to all of us who call Jesus our Savior and God to push through the adversity and to love and to serve despite our circumstance. The way we love, the way we serve, speak volumes about the grace that saves. Also, if you're watching this and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and God, I want to ask you this question. What's holding you back? He loves you more than you could ever imagine. You matter to Him. And He offers life to anyone who would believe. So I challenge you to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and pray and ask Him into your life today. What's holding you back? You see, God is ready and He is willing to save you by His glorious and amazing grace. You see, that's the Jesus that I serve. That's the servant king. And that's who we celebrate on this Palm Sunday as we look to Jesus for our answers, as we look to him for life, cry out to the servant king and then go and serve others. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. I thank you, God, for saving us for giving us life. And Lord, for those in this audience this morning that do not know you, I pray now, Lord, that they would come to a saving grace, that they would come to that saving relationship that you offer them. Father, I thank you for coming and dying on the cross and rising again. And we look forward to next week when we celebrate your resurrection. Because of that, grace may abound to anyone who believes. We thank you and we love you, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen.